This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors Podcast. better show for you the other two didn't make it in that's all right so the first thing i wanted to get into i got this land management uh guide from a magazine and i had just talked about friday on the full draw friday uh what to plant as far as food plots go if you guys didn't listen to that you can go check it out if you're kind of deciding on what you want to plant but i talked a lot about setting up your property as efficiently as possible, meaning if you have an acre food plot or an acre to plant food plots, for example, plant it so that it will be attractive to the deer when you can kill them. Because that's when you want them on your property anyway, at least in my opinion. I talk, have talked a lot about it, but if they're there in the summer, you can't do anything with them anyway. If they're on your neighbors at night, who cares? If they're at your place at night, you can't do anything with them. From October or mid-September to middle of January... That's when you want them on you because then you get to decide. At least you have the most opportunities to decide which deer make it, which deer don't, you know, that kind of thing. How you need to manage your herd numbers as far as does and all that. So I open up this thing and that was the first thing I read. So I'm here talking about how you don't necessarily want to have too much food that the does are going to find in the summer and stay on your property all the time. And then the... uh First thing I read on there is about providing good food, cover, and water so deer will stay on your property year-round. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. There's obviously different trains of thought on it. And I did mention, like, if your herd's down and you're trying to grow your herd, or maybe you're in an area where there's not a lot of good fawning cover or areas for that, maybe you set your property up to help out with that and you do some more summer food, that way, when the does are fawning, they've got some cover and, and some stuff to eat, and they'll find it, and they'll stay there on your property, and you can help grow your herd numbers. But most of where we're at, we're not having issues with herd numbers right now. Not at all. So, in my opinion, you're a lot better off to set up your food plot program, if you want to call it that, to be geared towards when the deer are going to need the most, be in the most time of need, which would be after November, basically, after the crops go out, mm-hmm. after everything else, all the green stuff's dead. And right now, I mean, you go out there and look right now, unless you've got a winter wheat field somewhere, there's nothing for them. Yep. Um, I, uh, so I did notice, uh, just on that, I did notice that uh, spring green up has started. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the last three days, uh, driving past some woods, I was like, wow. Some of those briars, some of those uh, little saplings and stuff, uh, I see some hints of green on them, um, mm-hmm. and them little bushes on the on the floor. You know, I I see some hints of green on them. So that was surprising to me. I wasn't expecting that quite yet. Yeah, I uh, got that. Means I needed to get my shed hunting done yep. <laughs> before it gets too thick. Well, see, I keep hearing people saying that they're still seeing bucks carrying their horns too, though. I did have a picture of one man. He don't look real healthy, but. He's made it this long. I assume he's going to go ahead and make it. Mm-hmm. He's still holding both sides. He's a two and a half year old deer, probably or three and a half. Yep. And he's still got both sides. But then I got pictures of other them, others that have dropped both sides already. So oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's a mix. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd say probably a majority have dropped, but I don't know. Oh yeah. Just from yep. what I'm seeing, I'm still I'm only running one camera. 
Yeah. Right now. So that's uh, all I'm basing it off of. Back to what you started off on though. Yeah. Um, if you, if you're limited on how much you can do, I, I definitely, uh, gear everything to hunting season. Um, they, uh, I, I do have deer. I believe I got a lot of deer, specifically does that stay on me year round. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have some of that. Yep. Uh, the bucks, I feel like those guys will do whatever they can in the summer to find a cool spot close to water, close to food where he, they don't have to move, you know, mm-hmm. where they feel safe. Yeah. Um, and of course, generally a bunch of them pile in there. Yeah. You know? Yep. And they don't mind to be with each other in the summertime. Yep. But then everything changes in the fall and, uh, and when that shift does happen, uh, right there when they're shedding velvet somewhere in that area, um, I want, I want something really good on my place started mm-hmm. in September, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, established in September. Yeah. Right. That way when they do break up and they shift, uh, I want him to see that he's got everything he needs there on me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause these mature bucks, they know what's happening. They know, they know what's coming. Yep. They know what they're looking for. Uh, so if I got one, uh, maybe a new one, you know, that's moving in one that I don't know about, I want him to find everything he needs on me mm-hmm. at the beginning of fall. Yeah, and even the young ones are going to remember that from year to year. So if you got a two-and-a-half-year-old deer that knows your property's set up for the fall, like he doesn't know that, but you know what I mean. Yep. When he's three-and-a-half, he'll probably come back. When he's four-and-a-half, he'll probably come back. Yeah. But like you were saying, there's situations where you could have properties, if you've got enough acreage, where you might have part of your property could be set up better for summer habitat. So you want to do that. And part of it's set up better for fall habitat. So maybe you do put some summer food on part of it, mm-hmm. and you let the deer move, stay there and then move into the other part in the fall. But we're talking a lot of acres there. Because even, oh, yeah. even if I'm up to like 500 acres, in my mind, that's 500 acres I could have set up for hunting season. Yeah. Not 250 for hunting season and 250 for the summer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe if one half is set up better for the summer, maybe I just start tackling that a little bit at a time while I keep the fall stuff or the part that's better suited for the fall, better suited for the fall, mm-hmm. you know, but eventually I'd like to have 500 acres that was prime for October through January. Oh yeah. Instead of March through August. Yeah. And there's so many reasons that the bucks move. Mm-hmm. Like you just hit on a couple of them there, like in the summertime and you watch the, the studies with the collars and stuff like that. You've seen all the yep. time lapses of those yep. and you can see just how tight those bucks will stay to an area in mm-hmm. the summertime because like you said... They find somewhere that's cool, shaded, open, the air moves through, it's close to food, it's close to some water, potentially, they're not going to go, they don't want to go very far. That's all he wants. Yep. He's going to come out to the edge of that bean field, and he's going to slip back into wherever he's staying. Mm-hmm. He's going to go get a drink of water. That's pretty much all he's going to do. Yeah. He's worried about growing antlers. He's not burning a lot of energy because he doesn't want to get it too hot kind of thing. He doesn't want to move too much. Yep. And then, you know, another thing is, it won't bother a couple of mature bucks to stay within 50 yards of each other in, you know, June, July, August. Yep. But when their testosterone starts going up and they start shedding that velvet, they don't want to see each other. No. Which is why it's important, too, to have some have good thick cover on your property because they're losing potential to maybe carry, even if it's a small property, say two bucks. Because if you've got two big ridges, let's say, that deer are betting on... <clears throat> If that mature buck's sitting on one ridge and it's real open and he can see another one on the other ridge, all he's going to do is be mad all day long mm-hmm. and they're going to go fight and one's going to run off, most yeah. likely. 
Yeah. You know, because they they don't want to see each other. If both those ridges are so thick, they can't see across them. They don't know he's there. Mm-hmm. They don't have the yellow pages. Yeah. <laughs> he's not looking up his address. Yeah. You know, I know that son of a gun lives right over there on that other ridge. You know, if yep. they can't see him, they don't know about him. Yeah. Maybe they meet each other in, a, in feeding or yep. something. Yeah. Right, right across each other's scents. Yeah. But they're not sitting there looking at each other no. all day. But they don't mind to do that in the summertime. Yep. You know, so if... It, those bucks are going to stay in a small area, and then maybe one of them stays close, either the most dominant one or the yeah. one that's just stayed there in the past or one that's just a homebody deer. Mm-hmm. But the rest of them generally are going to disperse to better fall areas anyway. Yep. Like, uh, oh, not last season, but season before last, uh, fall of 21, uh, that big wide tin that I had running around. Mm-hmm. Um, that thing in the summer for two years... I, I knew where he stayed in the summer. He stayed in this little thicket. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd come out, he'd eat beans. I saw him there multiple times, you know, um, the summer of 21 and the summer of 20, fall of 20 and 21, he came to me uh, somewhere the second or third week of October, both years, and he ended up going past me onto the neighbors. Um, it, it was 4.1 miles from where I saw him in the summer to where my neighbor was getting pictures of him, and he was very identifiable, especially the year of 21. He had a great big hook at his base. Um, it, it There's no way that it was a different deer. Uh, this thing's like 22 inches wide and got this big hook on his right base. Really identifiable. Yeah, you're not going to have that many deer like that, you know? Right. Um, and he would routinely go two miles between me and the neighbor mm-hmm. um, because I'd, I'd have him one evening. He'd be sending me that buck's picture the next morning, Yeah, you know? Um, so he was running, he was just, uh, he was a traveler. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but he knew where he wanted to stay in the summer and then he knew where he wanted to stay in the fall and he, and he went there. Yeah. Even if it was a four mile, two mile stretch, whatever it may be mm-hmm. for a particular deer, he knows that that's the area he's going to want to frequent. Mm-hmm. And, that, uh, some of those radio collar things I've seen where they have two kind of different fall home ranges even. Yeah. But those fall home ranges, I'm sure are similar in setup as far as cover and food well, yeah what he's looking for yeah yeah he's not going back and forth from something that's just way wide open that had you know corn on it all summer but it's gone now or beans you know as opposed to somewhere that's real thick that the wind ain't getting through that he's got cover that he can make his scrapes and rubs on that's got some good fall forage for him acorns and some kind of greens out for him, that kind of stuff, or some standing corn, standing beans, you know. Mm-hmm. He's he's not moving back and forth between his where he stayed in the summer and where he's staying now in the fall. He's found two different places that he likes yeah. for the fall. Yeah. And all of the deer are different. I mean, like that deer you're talking about, and some of those you see with their collars on, some of them go a long way. Yep. They do it fairly consistently. Mm-hmm. They'll go stay at one spot for a while, and they'll go stay at the other spot for a while. Yeah. Or like your buck, maybe one night to the next, he's just going back and forth, mm-hmm. you know. And then some of them will stay in the same 200-acre patch, yeah, 20-acre patch even, you know, all year. I think what happens there at the cabin is I don't have, there's no bucks in my mind that are really staying on that 10 acres. Like, I don't think any of them are necessarily bedding on there. Maybe occasionally. Mm-hmm. Like, I have found some beds in the past that I think were probably buck beds, but I don't know how often they're staying there. I assume it's probably when they're on a doe and with a doe, and that's when they're actually staying on there because there are some does that stay at least probably within the 20 acres between us and the neighbors. Mm -hmm. But I think there's enough good fall habitat there for them that it's part of 
a couple different home ranges, mm-hmm. you know, and they have to go so far up there to find good food. Yeah. Uh, if I can have any kind of food for them, that's going to draw them in there at least part of the time, mm-hmm. you know, as consistently as I can get it. Now, if you're talking like, like what you've got and you're thinking about improving your bedding and stuff this for this fall, mm-hmm. you know, you could potentially hold a couple of really nice bucks, you yeah. know, a couple mature bucks, you know, a couple, uh, two or three. Really nice. Yeah. Really nice. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah, I uh, I need to improve betting all that I can. Uh, I want to start chipping away at that, whatever I can do there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always had green food. Um, might try some grains again. Years ago, we used to do grains. Might try grains again uh, if I get a chance. I think I need to focus on the betting. Um, and then if I if that's coming together, then uh, look at the grain. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, betting, I, I need more betting. Yeah. And I... Similar to what we did at Jeff, some of your grain is going to be kind of like a screening mm-hmm. as well, like on that, what do you call it, the lone oak yep. plot? Uh, yep, out there in the middle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, it's going to provide some cover for oh, yeah. concealment anyway. Oh, yeah. I think they'll stay out there. As well as the food. Yeah. You know, that's, that corn there at Jeff's didn't really bother it until, gosh, it was maybe even after the season mm-hmm. or maybe that real cold snap we got, but they... I mean, it was all good cover. I mean, it was just cover for them for most of the year. And then yeah. they started eating what they could get to, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they put a pretty good hurting on it there here probably the last couple of months. Yeah. But it's a really good, if you're wanting to plant corn, it can be a good screen as well. Milo mm-hmm. the same way. You know, yeah. it's not going to get quite as tall, but it can be a good screen also. Mm-hmm. And deer will bed in the Milo some even. So you kind of got to be careful where you're putting that and as far as your, if you're wanting to entry and exit next to it. Yeah. Uh, but... Again, it's good cover for him as well. I talked about Friday, and I think you're in this situation. And again, it kind of goes back to setting it up for the fall and being as most efficient as possible. Once you have a certain amount of greens, like I don't know what what a good ratio would be, but if you have the greens to whatever satisfies you that you think is a good amount of forage for them, then you start moving into the grains. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, uh, I think a lot of guys want to start with either the corn or beans. Um, and yeah, they're not going to be there in the fall because the farmers have them out, but you're also not getting quite the same amount of nutritional value out of it. Mm-hmm. Attractiveness, guy could argue that beans are one of the most attractive things. Mm-hmm. Corn's going to be more attractive in the late winter yeah. when they're needing energy. Yeah. It's not real nutritional. And there are more nutritional things than beans that are as attractive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you want to be at and you can get a lot more forage, uh, tons per acre out of, I think, a good brassica mix than just planting soybeans. Mm-hmm. So I think like where you're at, you have enough acres of green that you can start moving to grains and it will benefit you. Yeah. Whereas I, instead of, say, you have an acre food plot mm-hmm. or two acres, and we'll do a half acre in greens and we'll do the other uh, acre and a half in corn, maybe you just do the whole thing in greens, you know what I mean? Yeah. If that's your only two acres or something. Yeah. Um, thinking right there, I have just over three acres of greens, mm-hmm. um, in five different patches. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be over 150 acres ish. Yeah. yeah. That should, that should be accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's more than I've ever had. Yeah. Um, Normally, I've only had just little pockets of clover. Um, last year was the biggest. I made that one food plot like twice as big. Yeah. 
Um, and added the, the... The other one was brand new. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just over three acres of green stuff. Um, two of them are just little clover patches. The one was just over an acre of inner sanctum. The one was an acre and a half of... Um, fall draw. Fall draw. Yeah. And it did pretty well, but just no rain, yeah. you know. Um, I uh, I did go out there and look at it. Um, it's still, there's still some green out there, but they pretty there? much got it picked over. Yeah. Um, yeah, browse down heavily. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, they had already started on that when we did that video. Oh, yeah. I mean. Yeah. What was that, September? Yep. Well, we ran, I don't know how many out of there when we. <laughs> <Five or> six <laughs> of them, yeah. Yeah. Um, when we went back there to, to do that video. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it did work. Um, the cost of trying to do content. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I didn't kill anything. Overpressure. Yeah. Yep. Because Over we pressure. went in there in September and ran them out of both plots. Uh, ran those does out. Yep. They went and told the bucks. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I've got about three acres of green. I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with where it's at. Um, I do think if I can, if I can get more bedding, then I think my grains would work better uh, because I think I've uh, good bedding. I think I'm about out of good bedding. Mm-hmm. Um, the does will kind of lay just wherever you know, wherever yeah. they, wherever they just feel safe enough. But as far as as far as good thick stuff for a buck to lay in, um, I, I don't think I have enough. Right. Um, so that's what I need to try to to try to improve on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I make that, then I think I. I would benefit from from more uh, food, which I'm hoping that one will be two and a half acres ish of grain. Yeah, yeah. I think we we're talking about the bedding because that buck you shot was just staying in the CRP, right? I think so. I mean, that was yep. kind of what you come up with. Yep. Um, right on the edge of the other woods. Mm-hmm. Yep. The other property. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he was, and I mean, down there as secluded as as he could get. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think if you do kind of what you're thinking on your woods and if you're still going to do a little hinge cutting mm-hmm. that could be beneficial for that to add some depth and then even on the other side that you're talking about maybe planting another grass mix or something mm-hmm. you know that'll provide some bedding too and then maybe get them bedding along the creek as well mm-hmm. you know off of the does wherever they end up bedding because you know when you put in your two and a half acres of, or three acres of grain or whatever whichever side is the does feel most comfortable they're going to bed probably as close to that as they can mm-hmm. you know unless some of them are going to bed close to your other plots too. It's just mm-hmm. how they work. You know, yep. those want to be close to food. Yep. And bucks want to be left alone. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I know exactly where the bucks will stay in the in the grass. Mm-hmm. Um, if I get that done, I think it'll be on that southeast corner on that knob up there. Um, uh, there's some brush there already, but grass right up against that. Um, he'll he'll have a knob right there, and that's pretty much exactly what that buck uh, uh, that buck I killed last season. Um, two seasons ago, um, that's exactly what he had. He bedded on a high knob right there in the grass mm-hmm. uh, with woods behind him. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of guys talk about setting up properties for a specific buck or like doing a food plot for a specific buck. You don't really have that in mind, I guess. No. I I think I um, I would like to think that I, am, that I know enough about how uh, they think now to know what they generally look for. Mm-hmm. I know every buck's different. Um, but I, I think that I think that a buck would really like staying on that knob right there with mm-hmm. that grass next to him. Right. The creek down below him. Um, he he wouldn't have to move far to, to get water. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll have plenty of cover right there. 
Um, he can come out of there with the wind in his nose and he, uh, predominantly wind in his nose and head for food uh, headed west. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to be 80 yards, 100 yeah. yards, yeah, probably 100 yards. And then destination food, it's only going to be, I don't know, 300 yards. Mm-hmm. And this is not... Because like the deer you had last year that we all, you know, figured were probably four and a half, mm-hmm. uh, like the one you passed mm-hmm. and a couple others you saw pretty consistently. It's not like you're just setting it up for one of those deer that you know is living in a certain area. Mm-mm. So I know he's living here, so I'm going to set this plot up this way, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I'm considering at the cabin because I have a good enough idea, I think, of the movement pattern of that really nice buck there, mm-hmm. that split G3 buck. So that's... He's going to drive a lot of what I'm doing there, a lot of what I want to do there, because I think I can improve it. Again, I don't, he's not going to stay there, but I can get him on there even more consistently, even more often, I think, with some better food. Yeah. I, I really think even last year, this past season, had I had the food plots that I had in the 21 season, I'd have been in the chips on him anyway. Mm-hmm. And he was in there a couple times. Like, if I'd have been in the right there at the right time, I could have shot him. Yeah. But I think if I'd have had the food that I had the year prior... It would have been even better. Like mm-hmm. He'd have been in there even more often. Yeah. Because he was still in there somewhat regularly anyway from early November on. I think the first picture I got him was November 5th. Mm-hmm. And then he was pretty regular in there. I'd see him at least a couple of times every two weeks, you know, moving through there, which on 10 acres, that's that's just part of his home range or, or his travel pattern, you know. Mm-hmm. That's fairly consistent in my mind, at least from what I've seen there. Yeah. So I think if I can set that up, that plot that I've got my homemade platform blind on, if I can set that up a little bit better for him to want to come in there more often, I think I have a good shot at him this year, as long as he's still there. Yeah. I really think he's probably only a four and a half year old deer. Yeah. And very nice. Very, yeah. yeah. Very. <laughs> he, yeah, he could really be something this year. Yep. Uh, I haven't actually posted any pictures or anything of him. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> for good reason. Yep. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully, we'll post some pictures of him this year. Um, dead up, up close, <laughs> yeah, real close. Like, but anyway, yeah. I just I had that thought because you hear a lot of guys talk about it that do target specific deer every year. You know, they'll set up a certain because they know where he's living. They'll set up certain plots for that specific deer. But I figure, like in your case, it's just making it better in general. You know, overall, and you yes. can do both. Yes, yeah. because what I'm planning on doing at the cabin is kind of gonna serve both purposes mm-hmm. but yeah your idea is kind of i've got this much more i can work with how can i make it as good as possible mm-hmm. yeah for them to want to stay or want to come feed yeah and there was oh i don't know there was a bunch of bucks around there um several really nice young bucks even Not yeah even, you know besides those four and a half year olds yeah um the one that <clears throat> was in your one vlog video mm-hmm. he, i mean he's a nice he's, young deer i yeah he's he wouldn't he wasn't super hard to pass this year right i bet he will be next year yeah um if he continues i mean he he was already fairly wide mm-hmm. um if he if he does much he'll he'll be nice yep um i don't know there was i had eight I think I had eight bucks that were, uh, that had eight points or bigger. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's like three year olds and, and yeah. better, you know? Um, I mean, they were, I don't know. And for, and for my small spot, I mean, 
uh, for a uh, hundred acres, mm-hmm. um, like sixty of it that I'm really messing with. Um, that was I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, uh, they were all piled in there, and they were in there consistently. Mm-hmm. He got a lot of pictures of them, and you saw. Well, the one of them you passed, you saw him on the hoof. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see any other others off on the hoof? Um, I can't even remember. I never saw the eleven in person. Mm-hmm. That's the only one I didn't see in person. Um, Thanksgiving weekend, I saw the split brown nine. Yeah. Um, I saw him in person. He was out chasing uh, in the middle of the field, uh, next to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was he was really around there that weekend. I had a lot of pictures of him that weekend, Thanksgiving. Um, he had been around. Uh, he was kind of all over, but I th- I don't think he stayed right there close. Um, I think I think all three of those bucks that would have been really hard passes. Um, I think they all, I don't think any of them really stayed on me. Mm-hmm. I think their ranges overlapped yep. on me. And I think they probably ran into each other on me. Yeah. Um, but they, they were there, they'd be there for a day or two and then they'd, they'd be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, yeah, I'd like to change that. I'd like for one or two of them to really stay there. Yeah. At least keep you know? one or two of them on you. And yeah. I think you probably have enough space you could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I'd get their pictures for a day or two here and there, you know, and then they'd be gone. Mm-hmm. And then they'd be back in four or five days, you know. They they'd make another pass. Yep. Um and they all did that and they they came from different ways. Um I uh I'd like to change that. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to keep them there better. Yeah. Give you even more opportunity. But I mean, even still, no more than you got to hunt last year. Yeah. To be able to see them and have the opportunity at them. Yep. You're in a good spot. Oh yeah. I mean Oh yeah. It, it's nothing uh nothing uh, you know, uh, shake your head at. Right. Um, but I still think it could be better. Yeah. I know it could. Yep. That's, I think that's the mindset you have to have too, because once you start getting, it's like anything else, once you start getting complacent or think it's as good as it's going to get, then it starts going backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, if you stop trying to make it better, I, you can do too much and hurt it that way too, I think, depending on what you're doing. If you don't have, good intentions can really hurt you if you don't have the the right tools or knowledge of what you're doing i think but mm-hmm. if you're pursuing that i would still rather see a guy doing that than just sitting back not doing anything and letting it go backwards again yeah you know uh but you're just constantly trying to improve and we talked about that before when you're sitting out there you just, even if you see a buck one out of five times or something you're still thinking man how could i get him in here those other four times mm-hmm. what could i do to make him be in here yeah Three out of five times. Yeah. You know, or four out of five times. So yep. that's the mindset I think you got to have if you want to consistently kill them too, or consistently have opportunities at them at the very least. Because, mm-hmm. like, again, where you had your opportunity at the one this year, that was one of the three most mature bucks there, just wasn't one you were wanting to shoot. If, if there was any I would have shot, it would have been him. Mm-hmm. It really would have. He, uh, because he, he was around the year before. Um, he got a little bigger, but he didn't get, a, didn't get a whole much bigger. Yeah. Um, he, uh, uh with his busted brows, I don't think he would have hit 150. Um, if he would have had his brows, I think he would have just edged over 150. I really do. Um, but other than that, he wasn't, he wasn't special. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's a good looking buck. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but he was fairly average in, in about everything. Um, 
and I really, I'd like, and since he was there last year, he was there this year, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just hoping that he'll still be there, yeah. you know, this year, and that he'll be, yep. you know, that he'll put on as much more as he did, you know, or like the buck that I shot, uh, you know, two seasons ago, mm-hmm. he made a really big jump from, you know, the one year to to the year I killed. Yeah, and you see that a lot of times from four and a half to five. Yep. Generally, it's a big jump from three and a half to four and a half. I think mm-hmm. on average, they say like 90% antler growth by four and a half. Mm-hmm. And then, but some of those, obviously that varies, but then some deer will make a big jump from four and a half to five and a half. Yep. And if that happens, I had the three that I believe were four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, those, hopefully one of them. Yeah. At the very least. Those guys could all be really special. They really could. Yep. That one you're talking about, they're, you know, He's bumping up 150 as a four and a half year old. Mm-hmm. Nothing real special about him, like you're talking about. Just mm-hmm. a really solid buck. Mm-hmm. Next year he could be, you know, 160 type yep. buck. He's got the frame for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's made the. He didn't make a ton of progress, I guess, from three and a half to four and a half. Mm-mm. No, he I did mean, get he, bigger though. Yep, I uh, I was confident he'd make 140 as a three year old. Mm-hmm. Um, like his uh, his G twos and G fours are. Or in the wrong spot. Yeah, his fours are long, his twos are short. Yep. Um, you know, so if you if you take that in consideration, he. Um, uh, anyway, I'm pretty sure he'd have been one forties as a three year old, uh, but that's the year that I had three bucks that would be really, yeah. really, really, really yeah. you know. Yeah. So anyway, he, he like the one you shot. Yeah, he was number four on the list, mm-hmm. and I had him come trotting through one evening at forty, and I didn't even think about it, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, then he, he was still around this year. Um, I'm hoping he'll still be around next year and, and make that, uh, make progress still. Yeah. And, uh, again, one of those three will surely be what you want to shoot next year. Oh, yeah. They've all made it. Um, they all made it. I've got pictures of all of them. They all made it, um, at least through the gun seasons, you know. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to kill them. Around there, nobody's going to kill them with a bow. Nobody, everybody quits hunting. Yeah. You know, after, uh, after muzzleloader season, so. Yep. So they made it. Um, I just want to still be there. Yeah. Yep. I got several deer up there at the North Farm. Some deer that were three and a half this year. A couple three and a half year olds that I think could be really nice next year. One of them four and a half, five and a half year old. That eight point, just kind of big solid one, mid one thirties, probably eight point. Mm-hmm. Uh, that showed up there around gun season. <clears throat> I think he could be. He may stay that way. If he's five and a half, I wouldn't expect him to get a lot bigger. If he's four and a half, he might push 140s, you know, but I'd, I'd shoot him at that point at five and a half. And then there's the deer that I saw once on the hoof, and then I got a picture of him, Spencer, that mm-hmm. him, I got a picture of him at like 6.15 or something in the morning. I was going in to hunt, and I got in the stand at like 6.18. It was something like that. Like he mm-hmm. was there three minutes before I was, oh, before yeah. shooting light. yeah. And I hadn't didn't see him after that, but I know all the neighbors got pictures of him. I didn't hear of anybody killing that deer, and I think he's pushing Boone as he is, mm-hmm. as a again for probably a four and a half year old deer. So I think I would have heard about him getting shot. Oh yeah. So I think he's got potential to be really nice deer this year too. I just wish I could do something up there, mm-hmm. you know, that as far as managing it goes. But there's just not. I mean, it's an agricultural property. Yep. But it is what it is. You know, I'm fortunate to be able to hunt up there in that neighborhood anyway and have the area that I do have to hunt. Uh, it would be nice. I think if you gave me that, it's like 100 and, 
just under 200 acres, mm-hmm. between 150 and 200. If you give me that as a blank slate, we could kill some really nice deer very consistently up there. Yeah. You know, the opportunities I've had over the years anyway, just it being like it is mm-hmm. in all ag fields mostly with a little bit of timber on it. If a guy could do some work up there, you could really put a hurting on them, I think. But they're still there. You know, I had the opportunity to shoot ghosts this year on that farm. And I think, like I said, as far as I know, I still got, I got pictures of that one. That's the one I was talking about. One of those younger bucks I was talking about, uh, that's the one that was holding the antlers still. I think that one that showed up around gun season is one of them I saw with both sides gone. Just big, really not big bodied deer that I think about had to be him. And then there's two tight racked eight points up there. One of them's older than the other one that are still there. I had pictures of them after the season. And then that that big one, the biggest one. But So I'll have opportunities at them next year as well. Mm-hmm. But most of my off-season, since I can't do anything up there, is going to be focused on, on the cabin. Yeah. Because of what I know is there as well. Oh, yeah. And I can do stuff with it. But, yeah, I've, so I've got some ideas on that. And still planning on doing it and doing some videos on it. But that's something I'm going to have to be getting around to here before mm-hmm. long, too, because you were talking about spring green up coming right yep. around. It's going to be time to spray plots and, and get stuff done. And I need to get all those autumn olives that I want to get out of there, out of there before it does get green. Because yep. you know how thick that place is. Yeah. It's going to be a nightmare if I wait too long. I think right now. I, I think c- it's already going to be <laughs> well, Yeah. It's going to be even worse. Huh. I think right now I could get in there with a, a skid loader and do everything I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of getting it done. So that's what I had on the agenda for this month sometime Mm -hmm. because if i don't do it this month which we're already almost halfway through this month yep time to get away from me and then starting on client properties too coming up so Mm -hmm. food plots and whatnot and spraying clover is coming up too you've still got the one clover plot that we hunted uh, a couple years ago i'm gonna redo it this spring um, I've never done clover in the spring. I've always done it in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to go ahead and get it in this spring, uh, just to have it done. I do want to get that one done. Um, I'm going to redo, I actually think I will redo that one and two others this spring to have that done. Yeah. Um, uh, and if it doesn't work, I still have the fall. Yeah. You know, true. Um, but I, uh, I still have some seed, uh, some clover left over from you from last fall. Um, so I'm going to try that this spring. I'll get that ready. Um, let's see, that'll be, that'll be one acre that I'll have done this spring. Um, if I do the grain, that should be like two and a half acres. Um, I'm going to have to get on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to have to get on the three acre patch of grass, um, I need to get the chainsaw out. Yeah. Start working on those things. Um, and I think that could be done in, in a day pretty easy. Oh, yeah. Um, the hinge cutting. There's probably only, I'm going to say 20 to 30 trees that I need to cut. Yeah. Um, in that patch. Um, hopefully it's not a windy day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, there's, there's plenty of stuff that's, that's got to be done, honestly, within the next six weeks or else it ain't, it ain't going to happen. Right. Yeah, I've tried to move as much as I can to plant stuff in the fall. Just because, and there's benefits to both. Because, like you said, if it doesn't work out, then you always still have the fall to back it up. Mm-hmm. 
you're likely to get more rain when you plant that stuff in the spring. Yeah. As opposed to the fall may get dry on you. But the worst thing about it that I found is unless you really and where you're at planting your replanting your clover, you may be okay. But you really fight weeds and grasses all summer. Oh yeah. If you don't get a real good kill on them. Yep. No matter how you're doing it, whether you're you're tilling and spraying or just spraying and broadcasting, you're still gonna have some come up and it it's just it can be a battle depending on what's there and what kind of weeds you got, what kind of natives yep. and if you got any invasives. Yep. And all that kind of stuff. I think if you're starting a new clover plot, yeah, you can do it in the spring and then it'll be ready. You could have it decent by the fall. Or you could wait till the fall, have a little bit of clover come up, not fight the weeds as much, and then next year you have a really nice plot mm-hmm. for the next season. Yeah. But again, there's benefits to both, because if you'd have planted clover last fall, well, a lot of stuff we planted last fall didn't grow. Yeah. And that clover <laughs> wasn't going to grow till this spring anyway. Nope. If it even made it. Some of it might have just rotted, you know. Yeah. If it got just wet enough and then dried up. Yep. Yeah. So there's benefits to both. But one other thing I wanted to talk about, I started a, a Facebook group for the podcast. So anybody listening to this, right now it's just called the RHO Podcast Patrons because I don't have a better name for it. I know like uh, Drury's 100% Wild podcast, they have their Rack Pack. So if we could come up with a cool name for our listeners, mm-hmm. I would like to do that. If you guys have any, any suggestions, then you can send them to us or join the page and then maybe we can come kick around some ideas. But that's just what I came up with for now. So it's RHO Podcast Patrons. It's a group on Facebook. All you got to do to join it is ask to join. It asks you if you listen or will you listen to the podcast, and then I think you have to agree to the rules, and you mm-hmm. can join it. So we started that, and that'll be where we'll we'll post when podcasts come out. We'll keep you guys updated on anything that's going on. We'll probably post our content in there as well. We'll ask questions a lot of times. I want to start doing that more to get, Find out what you guys want to hear about, what you want to hear us talk about, guests you would like to have on potentially, or like to hear on the podcast potentially, uh, and then just to share your guys' success or failures as far as what's working for you and what's not. Generally like any other hunting group that you're going to be in, but just with a little bit more focus on the podcast as far as sharing and stuff like that. So we did have a post the other day um, about trails, and I know that you have several cut mm-hmm. for your stands. And I've done this as well. A lot, of, a lot of guys do. And he says, this is from Joey. He says, a few years ago, I was hunting a new woods that had a thick layer of leaves on the ground. A few days before season, I raked a trail to my stand to quietly walk in. I watched the deer walk the trail to my stand opening day. Year after year, I raked the trail where I want to walk, then hook back to the tree. It's worked for me consistently. So I wanted to get kind of what you've experienced with that because... Well, I'll let you go first, and then I'll add anything to it because you you might hit on some of the stuff I was going to say. But like, as far as we came in on trails that you mowed mm-hmm. last year when we hunted there at the Sprout Patch, yeah. and I know you've got some others mowed like that. Yeah, um, I've got some cut. Just makes it easier and quieter getting in and out. Yeah, it helps you with your entry and exit. Yeah, and even if you do screening on the side of them, stuff like that. But what's been your experience with deer using the trails that you've cut out for yourself? Uh, I have cut trails for deer and I have cut trails for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do both pretty often. Um, I have always had excellent luck 
with does using the trails that I cut for them. Mm-hmm. I know where their bedding area was, uh, is. I would cut from wherever they were laying, um, the spots that I knew that they would lay, and I would typically stay on the break of the hill, um, like out in the CRP. I'd stay on the break of the hill. I wouldn't stay on top. Yep. I'd stay down just a little bit, um, and I'd mow it right to my food plot, um, and I'd do that from three or four different ways, and they, the does would use it every time. Yeah. Every time. The young bucks would use it fairly often. The mature bucks, a lot of time, did their own thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they would use it, and they had their nose on the ground the whole time. Yeah. I think they're smelling the does. Right. If they were just coming into the plot, a lot of times they did their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have doe, uh, deer, does specifically use the trails that I mow for me to get in. Um, they're just down fence rows and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing special there. Um, I... A lot of times feel like the mature bucks are still going to do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the does will use those trails that you mow for you or for them. If uh, I feel like they'll go fairly out of their way to use them. Yeah. If if they know that it's taking them to where they want to go, if they can move easily along that trail, if it costs them 100 extra yards to go around on the trail mm-hmm. to end up where they're wanting to be, Versus fighting briars, thorns, whatever, you know, um, high weeds to go in a straight line. I think they're going to use the trail. Mm-hmm. The bucks, I think they're, the mature bucks, I kind of think they're going to do what they want to do mm-hmm. most of the time. Whatever makes them feel the safest. Yeah, I've heard of a guy, uh, and he said that he has the same experience. He's seen the same thing. He would just take a backpack sprayer, uh, mix up Roundup and 2,4-D, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't bush hog but he would go where he wanted the deer to use yeah. and he would just walk through the thick, nasty stuff and he would be spraying behind him just, just a sprayer width the yeah. whole way. And he said that that would kill normally like a foot to 18 inches, um, just a, a little kill path. And he said that the nice bucks would use that mm-hmm. fairly often. It's because it's more narrow. Where they would not yeah. use the mode paths, the five foot to six foot paths, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bush hog paths. He said that he felt like, he could still somewhat guide them where he wanted them to go, and they felt safe um, in that little kill path that he had sprayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense because it's just they don't have to go very far to get to cover. Mm-hmm. In like 18 inches, they can duck out, and they're right there. As far as the five or six feet, they probably feel fairly vulnerable out in the middle of that. Potentially, yeah. And I've seen kind of similar to what you're talking about. I have cut paths through old logging trails mm-hmm. that we've done some food on, and I have seen the bucks use that. Now, again, that's only at the top of it where the briars are hanging over and stuff. It may be four foot wide, you know, so it's a little wider than what he's talking about. But it's also got food in it when I would see them using that. So they would come in and feed on it through kind of like a dumbbell-shaped plot, bigger mm-hmm. on both ends and smaller in the middle. Mm-hmm. So they would go from one side to the other and use that. It's like like what you're talking about with the does – they will almost always, as long as you're not trying to pull them from one side of the property to the other, mm-hmm. like if it's close to where they want to be, they're going to take the path of least resistance, mm-hmm. whether it's 18 inches wide or six foot wide. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of similar to that, like a lot similar to that. Used to, I, I would hunt a big CRP field here fairly close to town, and they would mow through it. They would mow paths 
I don't know why, what their reasoning was for it. I don't think it was for game. I don't know if it was something they had to do for whatever program they were in, but they would mow parts of it. And like you said, I mean, the does would use that trail every time. Yeah, if they're if they're moving naturally. If they came out of where they would come out of when I would see them, like if, if I was going to see those does, they were going to be on that trail. Like if they were coming my direction, they were using that mowed path mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. It's just... Again, it's just in their nature. They don't want to walk through all the briars and yep. stuff like that. The bucks, like what you're talking about, want to feel safer. A lot of times they're going to do their own thing based on the wind mm-hmm. or what they can see or what mm-hmm. they can get away from, what makes them feel safest. Mm-hmm. As far as trails that I have made to walk in myself, I have done I kind of both, I guess, where... I've made a trail for the deer to come in, like maybe into a wood line, and then I've made a trail for my own off of that trail. Mm-hmm. So I'll come in kind of on the same trail I've cut for the deer, and then I'll come off of it and go to my stand. But the deer will stay on that main trail because the trail that goes to my stand doesn't go anywhere but to my stand. Yes. Like there's no reason for them to want to be on it. Yeah. The times I have made trails that they don't use, that's the case. There's no reason for them to want to be on them. Yeah. It doesn't lead anywhere in particular. It doesn't come from anywhere in particular. Mm-hmm. It's not a natural direction for them to want to move anyway. The times where I've cut trails that I've just thought I would want to walk on, but then had deer walk on them too, is because I'm going the same general direction as the deer, mm-hmm. whether their trail may have been 30, 40 yards off of where I'm walking in at, but since I now made this nice three-foot-wide path for them, two-foot-wide yeah. path for them, they just started using it. Yeah. But it's because they wanted to go that way anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where, if you're having issues with it, if you're doing what he's talking about, it sounds like he's got it to where... Joey's pretty ambitious. He's raking. Yeah. yeah. I, I have never raked. I've done a little bit. I have never raked. I've done a little bit of leaves. when. So they're at the cabin. Mm-hmm. If you get back into the, kind of the bigger timber on that ridge where we hung those couple cameras that mm-hmm. time, it gets real littered with leaves in the fall. And you know, on a quiet, crisp morning with the frost on that's louder than all get out so you, you might as well be smashing plastic bags together <laughs> yeah. so that because that last stretch is only 50 yards probably i've raked yeah. that out yeah the rest of it is not so bad i haven't raked it out yep. I, w- I wouldn't want to do that a long ways nah <laughs> but it sounds like he's kind of doing what i was talking about there where i'll make a trail for the deer and then i'll go off of it because mm-hmm. he said he's kind of hooking back to his stand so maybe he's using the trail up to the point where the deer want to veer off or, or stay, stop, and then he's hooking back around, going a little farther and back into a stand. But mm-hmm. it sounds like if, you, if you're if you having, he's not having issues with it, but if you are, you might want to think about coming in from a different direction if possible. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you got to do something different with your trail because it's, it's probably the direction the deer are wanting to travel anyway. Yeah. Which, again, is not a bad thing because you want to bring them by your stand, but it's not always good to have their noses right down on where you're walking in at. No. Especially if you have anything that they would smell that they don't like on your boots. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. If uh, if they're using what, he's, what he's got raked, uh, I wouldn't think you'd be able to hear them coming at all Mm-mm. either, which is great for you. Also, also great for them. Right. You know. Sneak up on um, you pretty easy. Yep. As quiet uh, as they are in the leaves. Yeah. 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 I mean, great for you that, uh, uh, you know, you're not making noise coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, same for them. They're not either. Yeah. Um, uh, pretty much all my stands, 
the deer are going to be coming from a different direction than I came from, of course. Mm-hmm. So I would only rake to my tree from the way I was coming in. So that would work for me. Yeah. You know, it'd work okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, and then we could talk about barricades at that point. You know, you've mowed. Um, yep. And like anytime I would mow, I would, uh, I would have somewhat like hubs. Um, if you look, if you look at uh, uh, interstate systems coming into a city, you know most of the time you, it looks like some form of a spokes on a wheel. Mm-hmm. You know uh, that's pretty much what my paths look like coming into my stands. I'd have them. I would take them from stand to stand. I'd take them from bedding to food. You know, and, but they all they all would come to my stands. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when I really did it a lot years ago. Um, so it, uh, you know, they're just spokes, you know, like a hub coming together yep. and those does would use it all the time. You can also get to where you barricade them without them knowing it, um, cut down trees, mm-hmm. you know, and make barricades for them and run those barricades up, you know, 25 yards from your stand. Yeah. I've even heard of guys, uh, somewhat building fence you know, uh, out there for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of guys actually building fence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's, uh, so you can, uh, so you can give them places to go. You can also build deterrence for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some guys that somewhat, uh, fortify a spot around their tree to where they can't get right up there underneath them. Yeah. I kind of like that idea too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably drop at least one thing a hunt, it seems like, out of my tree. What is this green thing on the ground laying here that says Primo's on it? Right. <laughs> Smells like body odor. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, I, uh, uh, I've i heard of guys uh, kind of putting a barricade around their stand, you know, so they can't get within like 10 yards easily. Um, other guys building barricades, uh, you know, to try to try to push them to themselves. Um, I've got a spot that I think I'm going to do that this year. Mm-hmm. Um, if everything, uh, I should have a really big travel corridor from bedding to bedding if it all works out there in that one spot. And I'd, I'd want to make sure that they weren't 60 yards away. I want them, I want them close. Yeah. Uh, so I would, I'd probably make some sort of barricade there, mm-hmm. uh, on that North plot, um, to get them pushed up there to my end. Yeah. And I'm going to do even some of that at the cabin with some of the stuff that I'm knocking down and dragging out and stuff like that, I'm going to create travel corridors and barriers so they're not coming from where I don't want them to, yeah. at least entering and exiting the plot. Mm-hmm. I can kind of funnel them in and out where I want them at. They're at the cabin, for example, is two good examples of what we're talking about with the trails. One of them that I've cut that goes straight east back to where we hung those cameras, mm-hmm. I cut it out of just the thickest crap that, is in there so i could go straight from the driveway straight east it makes a little bit of a jog but almost right to the stand and then that last little bit where i've raked or had raked i've since taken that stand down because it's proved difficult to get in and out of a lot of times but there's a jog in that that's probably 40 yards if that maybe 30 you know walking yards where the deer will use it because my trail's going this way on general east to west the deer are moving north to south, but they kind of make that same jog. Mm-hmm. So now they've kind of used my trail for that 30 yards mm-hmm. or whatever. And then they'll go on. They won't go any farther east or west. They'll either go north or south, wherever they were coming from or going to. Mm-hmm. But they will use that stretch of it because that's kind of the direction they want to go. Now you take the driveway, for example. That's 8, 10 foot wide maybe there. And they rarely will walk 
all the way up and down that driveway. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, they'll do the same thing, and maybe they'll go 10 yards down it when they're going across it, just because that's where their trail is on the mm-hmm. other side. Yeah. But rarely will deer walk just north and south on that driveway. And it's basically a mowed trail, mm-hmm. you know, for me to get in. Mm-hmm. It's just not where they want to go naturally. Yeah. You know, they're moving through that part. They're moving east and west through towards the middle of the property. They're moving north and south. You know, it's just kind of the way they normally want to move so they don't use it. And it would be if they wanted to just go north and south on that side of the property, all they would have to do is walk down the driveway. There I mean, it is. Exactly. <laughs> but they don't. Yeah. And it's it's as big and clean a path as you're going to find yep. in a thick mess like that. Yeah. And they just don't use it because that's not where they want to be. Yep. So I think those are two good examples of what we're talking about with the trails. Yep. But that was all I had for, for this week. That was the first post we'd had on there. So thanks, Joey, for putting that on there. Mm-hmm. And anybody that's joined it. And invite your friends on it, too, even if they don't listen to the podcast. Like I said, it'd be just like any other hunting group that you're in. Um, we'll keep it mostly positive and mostly clean. <laughs> and it'll be a good place to share your pictures and all that and some ideas and and we'll share some stuff on there. You'll get some quote-unquote exclusive stuff maybe mm-hmm. as well, content or just stuff that we're doing behind the scenes looks at stuff like that. So thanks again for anybody that's joined that. And if you haven't, go do that on Facebook groups. So if you guys are looking for your own piece of ground to manage and hunt and do any of these things we're talking about, maybe you want to implement some of this stuff, you need to talk to Rodney Hawkins. He grew up hunting and fishing in our area, and now he's putting that love for the outdoors into selling recreational properties as a land specialist with Midwest Farm and Land. Now, they're not your average real estate company. They sold over $85 million worth of ground in 2022. They've got agents like Rodney all over all over Illinois, so they're really a local company with a national reach. For more information, you can contact Rodney at 618-925-3153, and he'll get you taken care of. He's also started a new company called RG Outdoors, and they currently carry hard and soft-sided blinds and blind chairs, all from Radix Blinds, in addition to an all-natural scent elimination product called Camo Dust, which you can get more info on at camodust.com. As for the blinds, Nate spent a lot of time in one of the soft-sided blinds this year, and he was more than happy with how that worked out for him. If you're interested in anything they have to offer, you can send them a message through the Facebook page, RG Outdoors. Email them at rgoutdoors@yahoo.com, at or again, just call Rodney at 618-925-3153. Man, I kind of struggled through that one. But that's it for this week. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check out that Facebook page. Also, before I forget, if you want to support, we do have a website, richhunteroutdoors.com. You can go check it out. If you find anything on there you like, uh, we do have our clover and chicory food plot blend we've got some podcast apparel on the website now t-shirts and hoodies anything you find to buy on there whether it be that or our scents later in the year you can use discount code rhopod that's all caps no space and you'll get 10 percent off anything on the website check us out on apple podcast subscribe to the youtube channel and follow us on spotify if that's where you listen to us so we'll catch you guys again next week for episode number 70